think it was right in that range where it was having a hard oh, time. Oh, you have a different background today. I have been um, moving some things around and I'm back in my office finally. So. Oh, yay. Oh, and there's your, there's your um, uh, Ruth Johnston Award. Yes. The other, the plaque is in my office in the clinic because I'm not one to like put that stuff out there, but I felt like it had to be there. Yeah. 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 Hi. Hi. And the, oh. the, the thing that you and Ben and, oh yeah, the light, hang on. No, we're, I'm having technical difficulties. I can't hear you today. I'm talking. I know you are. Oh, that one doesn't work. That's fine. All right. You can't hear me. I'm not muted. I can no, hear it's just I... it's just low. I think it's my computer. Okay. I like it when it's your computer. And actually, if it's my computer, then Kevin fixes it. So and you're playing the part of Kevin is being played by Kim, the matinee cast. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. How was your week? Um, it, in, interesting. So the um, so we're planning Adam's memorial. So that's coming up and it's turning out to be like a hundred plus people wow. out at George's place. So there's all that. And the, the team that's doing here, I'll do this and I'll do that and I'll do that. So that's all done. And then I have the most interesting patients, and one is um, he had COVID and was in a coma for 10 weeks, so two and a half months. And he, um, and the positioning that they did cut off the blood supply to his tibial nerve. So he has foot drop. And this is maybe his third or fourth treatment. And when we were in Philadelphia a couple of weeks ago, Christine Allcroft accidentally, like she was working on an SMA patient, spinal muscular atrophy. Yes. And started getting this amazing like really surprising increase in muscle mass and mobility. So SMA is a genetic condition where they don't have the enzyme in the spinal cord that does, makes muscles. So these kids have complete muscular atrophy because the motor signals from the brain, they have normal brain development. The, motor signals simply do not go down the spinal cord because the spinal cord doesn't work. Right. So she presented a symposium case two, three, four years ago. I treated one SMA patient in Germany and got her arms working and she was 29. And we had an SMA patient come at the end of the day on Saturday and Sunday. And Christine was treating that patient because I was treating somebody else. And the muscle mass was increasing 
more quickly than it usually does with that. Usually you use the frequency for repairing DNA from the sulfagios with the spinal cord and the nerve. So it takes two or three machines and then you run increased secretions. And it was working faster than it usually does. And she looked over at the precision care and it was polarized negative. That's a good face. And it, because what do I always say? It's like we never polarize negative because normally, and then it made perfect sense. Positive polarity, positive current uh, sedates nerves. So it's ideal for calming nerve pain. So having that fresh in my mind, when I treated this patient yesterday, we've been measuring the girth. First we got sensory nerves are easy. That's just increased secretions in the nerve and inflammation in the nerve. So we got the phantom limb pain gone the first session. That was easy and the sensation's normal. But motor is always more difficult. And yesterday on him, measure the calf, and we already have increased his calf girth by a centimeter and a half, almost two centimeters. So the calf at 10 centimeters below the patella didn't change. He can flex his foot. He can't dorsiflex his foot. He can't bring his foot up. We got movement back in the toes. That was last time. And the big toe is still on strike. But I used repaired DNA. What killed the nerve was cut off the blood supply to the nerve by positioning him in such a way that it's compressed against something for 10 weeks completely reasonable that the nerve would choke. So I did increase secretions in the nerve and I polarized it negative. I had already done trauma to the nerve. Then I did repair DNA in the nerve on the second machine. And then hypoxia ran that for 30 minutes. And then it occurred to me, it's like, well, what causes hypoxia? Well, you squish the blood vessels. Now nerves aren't fed by arteries. They're fed by capillaries, little teeny, teeny blood vessels that feed the nerve. So on the third machine, I ran trauma to the capillaries, torn broken, that didn't feel right. I ran vitality in the capillaries, thinking Ben Catholi. And um, the portion of his calf that's 20 centimeters below the patella increased by a centimeter and a half. And he could dorsiflex his foot. So he's doing exercises. He can now walk with, he's been walking without his brace. 
And then I did increase secretion. Well, first we had to yeah, increase secretions in the cerebellum. And then he said, oh yeah, now my left hip. Oh yeah, that's right, left hip. They had a left knee replacement. So this is the right foot that got squished. Had a left knee replacement. And I said, oh, trochanteric bursa bursitis is never the trochanteric bursa. Everybody knows that, right? It's not, I don't, okay, good. We all, everybody knows that. So it's never the trochanteric bursa. So I thought, oh, this is easy. They just put a tourniquet on, there's adhesions and nerve. So I treated from his low back to his knee because he had the knee replacement and treated inflammation in the nerve that didn't do anything, scarring in the nerve that didn't do anything. And this is where you talk about flexibility. And it's like, okay, why else would his femur be locked in internal rotation? So in our world, trochanteric bursitis is caused because the external rotators, piriformis, has to pull too hard and it irritates the bursa. That means something that does internal rotation is too tight. You had a knee replacement on that leg, right? Hmm, I wonder, little bird on the shoulder. And I ran metallic, and the knee replacement's titanium. I ran metallic toxin in the bone marrow. And all of a sudden he could externally rotate his leg. So I had one machine running for 30 minutes on metallic toxin in the bone marrow. One machine because the poor piriformis is so tight and has been working so hard that it has tendonitis. So there was one machine on torn and broken in the connective tissue. And then there was another machine running on just inflammation in the bursa and then metallic toxin in the bursa. And then we went to internally rotate the hip and you know how it jerks and it's like, oh, you're afraid to move it. So we ran one of the machines just switch to quiet down the hippocampus. It's just, you just need to forget that the leg ever hurt, it's fine. And then quiet down the cerebellum per chem, and then increase secretions in the cerebellum. At the same time, you're still removing metallic toxin from the bone marrow. And all of a sudden the motion was smooth and easy, and then I had him do it actively. You'd be so proud. Now I hear your voice in my ear all the time. It's a thing. It's really fun. Okay. That was my week. Okay, lots to unpack there. And it's amazing. Now, people don't understand that you and I don't plan the podcast. Like, Ever. we literally show up, and I have legal pads, but you don't know. I have no legal pads. Not only do we coordinate our outfits, but we coordinate what we're uploading into our brains. So in the universe consciousness someplace. Right. So before we get into some of the stuff I want to talk to you about that patient, last week we talked about meth and rice 
And I wanted to ask you about meth month. Okay. So um, the man who uh, coined meth, he's a Canadian um, trainer. I reached out to him to see if he would like to join our podcast. No way. Yes. So he's got a very crazy schedule. So we're going to see what we can do at the very least. I'm going to record some stuff um, with him because um, he's amazing. Um, but well, so for a month, so that's, you got four weeks. So. I figured I could, I could do like what I did in June. Um, yeah. So meth is movement, elevation, traction, and heat. There's another acronym that I wanted to talk about. It's doesn't flow as nicely as rice and meth. It's ARITA, A-R-I-T-A. It stands for active recovery is the answer. Okay. I like meth better, but I know, but this guy, Gary Raynal, who is the author of iced the illusionary treatment option had coined it. It's a fabulous book. So some of the feedback we, I got where people wanted to know about the studies that is disclaiming ice right now. Um, and that component of rice. So Gabe Merkin was the, what was he a trainer or a PT in 1978 came up with it. Um, and he is now, um, saying he, he was wrong. Ice. Yes. Oh, rice. He came up with rice. He came up with said, rice. Yeah. He's the oh. guy that did rest ice compression elevation. Rice is the answer. Rice is not the answer. So the two journals, um, that I was talking about is the journal of applied physiology and the journal of strength and conditioning. Um, if you just Google rice versus meth, you are going to see a plethora of articles and information and all the things. Um, there's also a webpage that I'm going to bring up also, but, um, John, John Paul Catanzaro or Catanzaro, I'm not sure how you pronounce his last name. He is the one that came up with meth. Um, so a lot of what the rice the ice portion was about was a purely analgesic effect. Numbing the area felt good. So people love doing it because it numbed it very similarly to taking Tylenol um, numbs pain, but what is it doing? And when you work with athletes, when you work with people that are paying you to get them better, we as practitioners should be doing everything that we can to promote healing. So robbing a vascular area of blood flow doesn't make a whole lot of sense. You need that study that I was talking about icing the mice. And yes, the initial mice felt great and they were running around and playing, but when they did all their metabolic counts and they did all their testing after they found that those mice that were iced weren't recovering because you need that acute inflammatory response to bring, like you said, all those little yummy platelets to come and clean up the area num, 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 and then they leave. Right. So that's why things like blood flow restriction, um, therapy is becoming more and more popular. We're occluding blood flow and then we're letting it go. So we get this influx of really good nutrient dense circulation. So you alternate compression and then relief. exactly. So it's like back in the twenties, when these manual osteopaths started doing ischemic compression on trigger points and why it actually feels and it works so well is because you are taking an area that doesn't have good blood supply, occluding it further. 
And then you get this reflexive hyperemia when you take the pressure off. And again, you're using your body's natural circulation to come in and vascularize and feed an area that's been robbed, which is why I think the hypoxia frequencies work so well. It's, it's, and especially with manual therapy and movement, you're, you're bringing vitality, you're increasing secretions, you're doing all those things um, to an area that didn't have anything for so long. Works for me. Right. Um, so I even like it in an acute setting because somebody else was saying, well, this is fine for like a chronic condition, but no, it's not in any acute condition. You're, you have to get out of your head that you're making an inflamed area worse because that's not the case. An inflamed area already is, if you, if you look at what inflammation is, it's heat, right? And heat and pain and vasodilation, right? Yeah. So there's already a lot of circulation there. That's what causes the swelling. And ice takes down the swelling. But these days, don't they alternate? Ice and heat, isn't that a thing? You can. And one of um, one of these biggest trainers in sports medicine with professional athletes is using rice and meth together. So you can put ice on um, the joint short term, and you can also put heat in the muscle belly that's a little more proximal to help draw those inflammatory cells. Okay, do your thing, go clean up the knee, but then come join the vessels and the quad and let's get up and put this into circulation again. So yeah, we're seeing, we're seeing a big um, shift that way. And I remember something, a paper that David Simons sent me showing that ice applied externally doesn't do anything to a joint. It's just cools things superficially and reduces swelling or inflammation in the superficial tissues, but it doesn't do anything to the muscle because it doesn't go deep enough. You can't do anything cold enough to do that. And yeah, so that's in print someplace. I don't remember where because I read it and went, wow, that's cool. And then there's only so much bandwidth that a human brain can hold. And I think you're like, I'm not around. (laughs) It's funny. My, um, my daughter who's recovering from ACL, um, reconstructive surgery, she's right in the sweet spot, right in the middle now where of course she's cleared to do everything because we're ahead for various reasons. Imagine that. Um, but she was running on a type of treadmill called the alter G. I'm not sure if anybody knows what that is developed like by NASA scientists. It's an anti-gravity treadmill. Um, so you jump in it similar to like a kayak and it has like a bib all around it and you can, um, it's anti-gravity. So it's a wonderful tool to get people back to weight bearing exercises because it will measure what's left and right to make sure that they're weight bearing equally. And then we drop from like eight, so you can go up to like, like 80%. They're almost like floating on it. Um, so it was developed by these scientists that were, um, working with the, the astronauts for the space shuttle, but it was a reverse 
anti-gravity so that they, they were forced to weight bear so they wouldn't lose muscle tone and muscle mass while they were um, up in space. So then some brilliant PT thought, well, why don't we flip that instead of using like water, which what we typically get people in, have it. So it's amazing tool. So she's on the treadmill and she's running and it's, she's 50, 50. Of course she is because we're using a ton of the frequencies for afraid to move it all the time in these like weight bearing stages. So she gets off the ultra G and the PT is like, let's get you, um, let's get you iced. And her face, her face went to being so proud to running on the treadmill, looked at me like, are you going to say something? We don't ice. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, I think she's okay. We'll just, uh, you know, and I have the custom care in the car to help for recovery. So my point being for, for rice, and I know it's hard for some people to not use ice because you're right. It numbs it, but you have to think what, like what we think about when we use FSM, what is wrong? What is happening? What is occurring? How did it get like that? And what's your goal? Like, what's the end game here? Your end game is to get that patient recovering. So there's not a lot of data to show that the ice helps with healing. Just, and just to get people to think about numbing it, it doesn't, I'm not sure it actually makes it numb if you think about how the spinal cord works. Right. So the patient that I had with when his foot was painful was always when it was non-weight bearing. Mm. As soon as I stood up, the pain went away. I was like, okay. It's because when the sensory nerves, when you give them some, when you give the spinal cord something else to transmit to that area, it distracts it, it pain gate, it takes bandwidth away from upgoing pain signals. And all of a sudden you're, you've got upgoing cold signals and upgoing proprioceptive signals. So if you think about the spinal cord pathways and how pain transmission works, then ice doesn't actually numb it. It gives the brain something else to think about. And heat could actually work the same way. Because of you, so every night I sleep with a thermophore. It's a big, heavy heating pad that's got a felt covering. It's supposed to be moist heat, whatever. But I sleep with it from my collarbone pretty much to my pubic bone. Well, because of you, I now pull it up on my right shoulder and um, and leave it warm for half an hour. And it's like, oh, that's good. It must have been the Advil. No, it's good because now my brain has heat to think about instead of the bursa and the tendon that are cranky. And, and heat is soothing. Like being warm is comforting, you know, like these are, these are also things. I also want, remind me to talk about this part, um, comforting warmth, stuff like that. Um, talk about comforting warmth stuff. Okay. 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 (laughs) I hate when my kids do that, but thanks. Um, 
one of the concepts that you were talking about with your patient just now with the strength, you know, um, increasing girth, um, I've been doing this with a lot of patients using, um, 49 and 81 with 46, which I am not sure if it is using, if it's sarcomere sarcolemma, I, 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 I don't know. Um, I like both of my hypothesize this is equally, <laughs> mm-hmm. but, um, and it's funny how like you, you meet so many practitioners at the advanced meetings and certain things that people say are engraved in your brain. So I'm going to talk about Roger Billica again, because like worship the ground this man walks on. I could, I could listen to him read the phone book to me. Yeah. mm -hmm. And he's coming in February. We have Roger Bellica and Neil Nathan at the advanced. Wow. Like just put it on the calendar. Okay. Just do it right now. Yeah. And I'm going to make both of them talk at both the advanced and the symposium just so we get to hear them twice because it's really fun. Yes, it is. And because I can. Yes. Okay. Roger Bellica, go. So he was talking about, See, and that's the thing that I don't remember, like the prequel to his quote, because it was very complex. Roger Billica has a brilliant way of taking extremely dry, complex material and making it fun and entertaining and digestible for, for anyone in the room. And we have such a diverse group at these meetings from MD, PhD to veterinarians and massage therapists and trainers and everybody in the beautiful spectrum So I believe he was talking about supplements and working with the adrenals. And, um, I know for a fact it was about adrenals because he was talking about, be careful of taking away the bad stuff before you give them the good stuff. And this good and bad was a catalyst for getting a patient that I presented at the symposium, not the last one, but the one we did over COVID she was um, in a horrific car accident that had plummeted 250 feet off a cliff and broke every bone I think I could count and is held together with pins and plates and multiple surgeries and has a plethora of scar tissue that you have to be very careful about breaking down because it is holding certain things together. So it is this um, balancing act of strengthening areas before you take away too much scar tissue. Or I said, why do we even have to take away the scar tissue? Why don't we just make it more functional? Oh, yes. From in my, the way my brain works, the scar tissue you take away is between the fascia and the nerve. Yes. And once the nerve is free, because the muscles aren't weak, they're inhibited. And they're inhibited because the cerebellum doesn't want the nerve to get hurt. Rightfully so. so. how How do you get the muscles uninhibited? What's the cerebellum protecting? And the cerebellum does not notify and it does not negotiate. So what is the cerebellum protecting? Usually it's a nerve that's adhered. So I don't tend to, I don't take away scar tissue in the fascia or the connective tissue. I just release the nerve and I let the cerebellum decide how much it's safe to move. 
And you still, because everything goes through the hippocampus and the limbic system. So you still have to do 40 and 89, quiet the limbic system. No, you don't have to be afraid, just calm down. Then you tell the cerebellum, well, then you take the scar tissue out of the nerve. And then you tell the cerebellum to forget that there was ever scar tissue there. And then you tell the cerebellum to increase secretions in, um, in, in the cerebellum to activate the nerves that were inhibited. And that's when you find out what scar tissue is left. Because, oh goody, now you have 10 more degrees range of motion and then it stops. What's the cerebellum afraid of? Oh, that nerve. In my world, it's, I confess to being neurocentric, but taking out the bad stuff and putting in the good stuff, there was no point in treating just metallic toxin in the bone marrow, unless you treated the torn attachment, the piriformis to the periosteum and the inflammation in the bursa. Right. Because the cerebellum was never going to let the hip externally rotate as long as there was a partial thickness tear in the piriformis attachment to the trochanter and bursa inflammation. Right. And so I ended up with four precision cares on this guy. And when you charge that much per hour, because David Musnick threatened me with bodily harm if I did not charge $200 an hour. And, but I can get three months, six months worth of work done in an hour by using four precision cares. Right. And the precision cares, I mean, the clinic had to buy them. But when you, when you can do that, Patients don't mind paying $400 for two hours work because you just did three months worth of work. Right. Absolutely. And these types of patients, what you were just talking about, this car accident patient, I could never treat her with one machine because I do 124.77 just on loop for an hour because there is so much torn connective tissue that you're right. That is what the nervous system is responding to. The, all, all her brain can comprehend is everything in my body tore and broke and it's not wrong. So, <laughs> Sorry. right. You know, so you get why certain muscles are spastic. You get why certain muscles are inhibited. There was also, a, I think a two month span where she was almost septic because of all the infections after the surgeries. So for the first few, well, at least the first month, there wasn't a lot of things other than metal toxicity, all the bacterial infections, torn and broken, all of that, right? Because that's what the tight muscles are reacting to. It's not just that something tore and then scarred and healed. Like that is, that is not what's happening. Well, and you, it makes you feel, makes me feel sorry for the people that think it's the muscle. I, it's like, I'm, I, I bless their hearts. Just 
bless their hearts, they they think it's a muscle because they don't have the tool that we have no. that allows you to treat the cause. Right. What cause? Well, that depends. Right. Sometimes it's easy. And so this guy said, in your book, you made it sound like it was a one to visit fix. It's like, mm, no, twice a week for four to six weeks. And then, and we talked about the fact that what we had already accomplished in two sessions or three sessions, three sessions this time was impossible. You, you do not get back a foot drop that happens from damage to the tibial. It just doesn't happen. So there's that sign and we'll give you the graphics if you want it. There's that sign in the hallway that's and um, uh, be realistic, expect a miracle, but be patient. The impossible takes slightly longer than the difficult. And he, I, I brought him over and I said, read that sign. This is, yeah. So go. I just want to briefly summarize this before we get to all the questions that I see are popping up. So again, going with Roger's give them the good before you take out the bad. Cause I'm not really done with that. I, I love this concept so much. So, I mean, I got into this world as a personal trainer. Like that was my very first stop with health and wellness. And then I went back to college and did all the other stuff, but getting somebody strong is always, like you said, you're like neurocentric. That is always my centric part is getting getting somebody stronger. So this is not making, you know, the next Mr. Olympia. This is helping somebody who has MS be more sure-footed when she gets in and out of her car. Like, so little things like this. So uh, in my world, I want to give them the strength first. That is the foundation. And then we work with length John Shark, he can put his hands over his ears when I say length, because I won't say the word stretch anymore. I'll say length or flow, because both of those things have to happen. That is just pure biomechanics for a muscle, for a limb to move. You need a component of strength and you need the opposite component of length. Like that is how we move things. So we have strength and we have length, but the hidden component that people are not doing enough, in my opinion, is proprioception or balance. And Manipulating the joint kinesthetic receptors and the GTOs and the muscle spindles are, it's a complex environment, but with FSM, it, it, it holds things so much faster because when you can run 40 and 89, afraid to move, and then put somebody on an unstable surface and watch them stand like a tree, like a mighty oak in the wind. I love that part. I love that part. Right. Like, so that's where I, that's where I geek out. And, you know, it, again, it, it is, it's neurocentric. Like that is the nervous system, Golgi tendon organs and muscle spindles and GTO and drug kinesthetic receptors is a crucial component of what, what we do when we put people back together. And there's another, that's the other patient I saw. I had a new patient on whatever day that was Monday. She's took the FSM course and, and then she came to be treated. I have one session with her 
And she said, oh, I have neck pain, but my major complaint is my, my right shoulder and then the right side of my neck. And um, I, she had one little fender bender. Hmm. Okay. There was just something. So fender bender, right neck, right shoulder. That's, and then she said, oh, my range of motion. And she went to like here. And so my range of motion is good in my right arm. It's like, mm, no, 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 that's, that's not good. Um, and you could, so I knew it was neck, subscap, that part was easy. But there was something about it speaking of length. I said, just put your hand on the counter and bend your little finger up. And it went to 95 degrees. And I went, hmm, do your elbow minus five. How about your knees? And they were minus five. And then can you bend over and touch the ground? And she put the backs of her hands flat on the floor. And I went, has anybody ever told you you have earlier stamos? Or actually she was seven out of nine, her knees weren't backwards. And she had, she had HSD, she was hypermobility. So I treated the, oh, I know. She said, I treated my neck and it locked up. So I did the neck pain protocol without the manual stuff, just off of the custom care, did neck pain and it locked up and, some, and her chiropractor adjusted her like it wouldn't move. Chiropractor adjusted her, so that was good. Um, nobody had done a sensory exam, so that was a thing. But long story short, yes, she had a disc, the two, three facet at the top. So she said, oh, and I get migraines. Tell me about your migraines. Oh, they do this. And I went, okay, that's the two, three facet. And it's really bad. And it's, yes, it's this. So we treated one machine neck to feet with just 124 and 77 for an hour and a half, torn and broken in the connective tissue and that fixes the Euler's Danlos. So she went from seven out of nine on the Baton score to zero out of nine on the Baton score. That was cool at the end of an hour and a half. And then we treated supine cervical practicum. Then I got into her axilla and did 13 scarring in the nerve. And then her arm was like this. And then the other shoulder was, that one went to about 180. And it's like, oh, we can do better than that. So at the end of it, I taught her the exercises to get the muscles strong and her multifidi and rotatories were completely inhibited. They were and contracted twice and were exhausted by the third attempt to contract. And so we got her exercise program. You treat the Ehlers Danlos once a week and then neck pain and subacute disc. And it's like, it's not that hard. And it never was her shoulder. I have shoulder pain and impingement. It's like, uh, no, just no. I, what, I, 
There you go. Sorry. But, but patients like that teach us, um, how to be patient, right. With what they think. So many patients come in so attached to the condition and Kevin put all these little YouTube shorts on and there's one of me just going on a riff about something. Like I didn't realize how passionate I get about certain things, <laughs> but, but there was one where I'm talking about dancing and then I go, like, I didn't realize how animated I, I am when I talk about something. Sorry. Well, um, but certain patients will come in convinced that it's just the shoulder or it's just their neck. And I had somebody this week who has come to see me quite a few times. I have a lot of out-of-state patients in the last year and is convinced that I need to press harder and I need to stretch him more aggressively and I need to do all these things. And I had to just stop for a second. And I said, I don't do that anymore. Like I have, and I held up my custom care and my custom care and my precision care. I'm like, because of all these tools, I don't have to wreck my hands anymore or traumatize you. Now, if you want to be traumatized, there's the door because this is not what I do. So you make a decision, what kind of treatment you want. If you want to get better, you can stay. If you want to be traumatized, you can leave. Well, and you think being traumatized works because you've been traumatized before and have do you notice that it didn't work? Well, this is what I just said. Be here. Right. Yeah. How's that working for you? It's not. Yeah. No. It, if it worked, you wouldn't be here. There you go. Right. Yeah. Let's get to some questions. I can oh. cool down a little bit. <laughs> oh, what fun is that? Okay. Okay. We have quite a few. Um, Cynthia, please explain the mechanism that has the same frequency as both a condition and a tissue. Um, 94 and 13 come to mind. Oh, like 94 and 94. Yeah. Um, and the answer to that is I have no idea. I got a list and it's the only thing I say during the course is it's not my fault. And I have no idea how they came up with conditions versus tissues and it is confusing, but 13 and 13 scarring in the lymphatics works really well when the lymphatics are scarred and scarring in the nerve works really well when the nerve is scarred and the same. I, so the answer, Cynthia, I can't explain it. There, there you go. It is one of life's mysteries and we just have to live with it. Right. There's and no it, it's still, but it's still an A channel and a B channel, right? It's not like you're doing scarring and scarring. No. There, it just works a little bit differently. And the fact of the matter is that the A channel and B channel business seem to apply back when we used the blue box because the blue box channel A fired literally a millisecond before channel B. Hmm. And it worked better to put the condition on A and the tissue on B back when we had the blue box. When they built the digital units, the programmer couldn't get his head around having one channel fire a millisecond before. So they both fire at the same time on the digital units and it still works. But students, as you know, 
don't like to hear it doesn't matter right it make no it you have to have certainty it's like it 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 does matter condition on a and mostly because fsm at this point is a language so you you have to have a certain language rules and right. that's so there you go all right um, this follow up um, on the custom care unit. Why do the channels appear to switch condition and tissue, i.e., tissue on channel A, the top number, and condition on channel B? Am I missing something? No, it's sure. just a smaller yeah. number goes on top. That's it. Always, always the smaller numbers on top. And once again, that's the programmer and the software when it they were first when it was first built back in whenever that was. I've lost track. Two thousand seven. And it was just, that's the way it goes. Yes. And it's um, okay. when and it doesn't when I was because they both fire at the same time. Right. And when I was learning, when I was learning all of this, I just had a custom care because let's face it, it's, it's a big investment at the time and you're not sure it's going to, it's going to work. So I thought let's deal with the custom care. It was great because as a manual therapist and watching someone's movement, I didn't have to think about too much. I could run oh, let's try MFTP short or let's try extremity joint blah, blah, and let something run. And then I would look, but I would print out the program. So like I said, sometimes I realized it would put the smaller number on top. So with the new software, it's great because you can print out the program and follow along if you get confused. It sounds like you're still learning, um, Cynthia, how things are working. And then you can just I love paper. I think a lot of manual therapists do love something that we can manipulate. That's why I love the laminates as much as I love the buddy. I'll always still have laminates. Laminates for my friend. Yes. So um, that's with the new software. It's great. You can print it out. And if you're stuck, you can see it like in its correct pairing to help you figure out what's, well, what's running. The old software does the same thing. I yes. mean, you, you can yes. take any particular program protocol and you're right click it and say, print it out. Yeah. So I just think the new stuff works a little bit easier. Okay. Yeah. Um, right. They're trying to teach it to me. I yeah. just, right. So. Um, somebody's wondering um, where to recommend putting the pads for dental surgery, all four quadrants where wisdom teeth are being cleaned up. I assume trauma pre-treat. Would you also use trauma fracture because of excavating the bone? There's an oral bony oral surgery. I don't know what trauma pretreat is. I don't either. And there's there's bony oral surgery is in the custom care mode bank. Yes, it's um, all there for you. Because so. I've had so many oral surgeries, we designed that for me. And then so it's in the custom care. Where did I don't know? Okay, go. Um, also, um, with dental, you can put a cloth on either side and have the patient hold it that way. Um, that's nice for, we most. put sticky pads on when I had so many surgeries, I put sticky, even when the surgery was on the lower jaw, Yeah. Um, sticky pads up here, red on the right, green on the left. Cause I can always remember red, right. And then the black one, you can put down here on the neck, mm. the black and yellow on the neck, or even on the clavicle and I tell people I had, I've had nine jaw surgeries and it's like, oh, ick. And it's like, no, there was never any swelling, never any bruising. And I never took, I took maybe half 
you know, they give me 20 oxycodone and I take half of one just so I could get to sleep. So there you go. Given the discovery of the precision care being polarized negative with a good, res great result, is that something that will be explored as a treatment option? Certainly not in the core. If I put anything more or confusing in the core, it's, we're really going to have a thing. So I'll talk about it at the advanced. And just so everybody knows, I found out in Italy that I have to completely rewrite the advanced completely. Like what I did with the core during COVID, I have to find time to do that before February because we it's just wrong. And I haven't changed the basic structure of it in 18 years. So um, we'll talk about it at the advanced. We'll let, I'll have um, Christine Alcroft present her. She now has three SMA patients and she's the one that that accidentally polarized it negative. And so I'll let her present that as a case report and then we'll talk about it. Um, the Cynthia, Cynthia, welcome Cynthia. The advances in Phoenix and it's on a Thursday, Friday and the symposium is Saturday, Sunday. And what is it's, and isn't it the middle of February? I don't have my phone. Which which part? The advanced. Oh, the advanced is still there. Uh, it's February something. Yeah. Um, February. I don't like the third week, isn't it? It's the third week. Yeah, it's the advanced is 23, 24 February. Um, and... Oh, we, oh, we get to do the podcast together on the 22nd. I'm so excited. That was so much fun. It was. And then 2526 is symposium. And at the symposium, are you ready? We have Catholian Burke. I know. I have, I have goosebumps. They're my people. I know. We have a, we have a text feed, the three of us. Okay. I, I could tell that. You guys just sort of gang up. And then, um, and I'm going to Chicago in October for a two-day practicum and text with Ben and Dave. And Burke says, you're going to be in Chicago? What dates? I'll be there. So I get both of them in Chicago for a two-day practicum. Yay. Oh, and next year, we don't have dates yet, but... Um, we're going to start doing five-day cores again, only every other month, and we'll do them live because that's way more fun. And you can still take it on video, and we recommend you watch it on video before you come take it live so you're, it's easier that way. Um, Derek is asking, recommended placement for towels to treat an ear infection. We don't treat, Derek, Derek, we don't treat ear infections that we don't, it's ear infections can make people deaf. That's bad. Um, I did treat a baby this week. It was so much fun. And he's he's got a cleft palate. So when he drinks his milk, um, the milk goes through the cleft in his palate. 
goes eustachian tube in our ears. So he's always pulling in his left ear. And there is, used to be an over-the-counter product called Oralgan. It was in a blue glass bottle and it was glycerin and an antipyretic, so an anti-inflammatory and an antibiotic. And because I worked for the company that sold it, I happened to find out that the antipyretic and the antibiotic are kind of, to make it look nifty, the really active ingredient is the glycerin, which is listed as inactive. So when he gets flu, when before you get an ear infection, you have fluid behind your eardrum, right? And then bugs grow on the fluid and then you get an ear infection. But first it is, what's it called? Otitis media, I think. And you just get fluid behind your eardrum and it hurts. Well, you put these drops in and the topical anesthetic does make your eardrum stop hurting, but it's the glycerin that's in the solution that pulls the fluid, just straight up osmosis, high school chemistry, straight up osmosis, the glycerin and the liquid pulls the fluid out of his inner ear. And this kid had awakened every two hours because of his ear and because he was teething. So she bought the drops, they are now still over the counter. But the other really cool thing is Teething, torn, we have a frequency for the gums. What is teething? Well, it's torn and broken in the gums and it's bleeding because the teeth do their thing. And so she ran it on him. They have a magnetic converter. She ran the teething protocol on him, torn and broken in the gums, 18 and 62 bleeding. And he slept for five hours for the first time since he was born. Or since he started teething. So that's my feel good story for the week. I love that. All right. One last question before we wrap. Um, yes. We have seven minutes left. I know, but it takes us at least 10 minutes to wrap up if you don't know that. Okay. Cynthia um, had a client in for lipo treatment and she was dizzy, ran concussion in Vegas. Dizziness went away while supine, but when she sat up, she vomited and did so on the way home. She had just come from PT where it sounded like they were addressing it as a otolith issue with exercise. She slept through 9494. Could that have contributed to her nausea? Recommended a vestibular clinic. Slam dunk. If you run concussion in Vegas and somebody gets nauseated or throws up, they have a vestibular injury, which is why The other thing you do before you do concussion in Vegas on anyone is at least do fields of gaze, check them for saccadic pursuit and ask the questions. So that whole vestibular section that we do in the core, that 45 minutes, the history questions, just pick two or three. And I picked up, I think, two or or three in the last two weeks in new patients. So two Ehlers-Danlos patients or hypermobility patients and two or three vestibular patients. 
and the hints are subtle, but after you do it a hundred thousand times, you get pattern recognition. But honestly, b before you run the concussion protocol on anybody, you do. So hold off on concussion in Vegas if they have saccadic movement. Actually, it's I have two versions of concussion in Vegas in the custom care I have in the office. The first one is concussion in Vegas. And the second one is concussion in Vegas minus 94 and 94. Because 94 and 94 is the only thing that makes them nauseous or makes them vomit. And I still don't know why. And But it's only that one. Who knew? Yeah, it's 94 and 94 is funny. I love 94 and 94. I will sniff that frequency out when I'm teaching. I know exactly who's on it. And I really want to just drop myself on that patient and just snack off of that current. Mm -hmm. I adore 94 and 94. I want to put it on a t-shirt. Um, but you're right. It is, it is a, it is a scary one. And I, I agree. You, there should be two versions of it on your custom care because it's a, it's a real thing. And I have found if they react the first time, they will always react to it. It's not like it's, it goes through them and then they won't react. You'll never get away with it. If You'll if, never get away with it. And honest to God, it is not every vestibular patient. No, it's no, it's, it's about 10%. So I use, thank you that. for that. Because I have patients that have diagnosed slam dunk vestibular issues and they're fine with it. Yep. And it's 10% of vestibular patients, but it gives me an excuse to spend 45 minutes on what I think of as the most important. I, I love FSM, but honestly, the most important thing that we do for people with vestibular injuries is tell them they're not crazy. And our, our students, literally, when you leave the room, you know more about vestibular injuries than 95% of the medical physicians in this country that are gatekeepers. No GP has ever heard of it. Most ENTs have never heard of it. So there's one ENT left in Vancouver and one in Portland that know about vestibular injuries. And you find that person by calling the audiologist at the vestibular lab that's in the hospital in your town that has a vestibular lab. You just Google it, look it up. Hi, I'm so-and-so. I treat patients with vestibular injuries. Who would you send your mother to? who in town orders testing, it knows how to treat patients. And, and so with Meniere's, I'm on Lasix. And, and I have an ENT that grew up with Robert Grimm, John Epley, and Owen Black. And so he was part of the team that knew how to treat vestibular injuries. So it's, and I love 94 and 94. And I love, honestly, I love 40 and 94. 
So if you 94, 94 again, 94 is concussion. 94 and 94 is concussion in the medulla and 40 and 94 is to quiet the medulla and you have to quiet the medulla before you bring up the vagus. So you take out the bad stuff, then you bring in the good stuff. So it's just, it's a fascinating, it's what makes me neurocentric because the nervous system runs everything and don't get me, we don't have enough time to get me off on vestibular injuries and what, because yeah, no, let's, and then you have to find an FCOVD optometrist that will prescribe prism glasses and do that properly before you put the patient into vestibular rehab. Right. So everybody on the question and answer, I was panicking because thank you for everybody, first of all, for coming an hour early from here on out, because my my side job as a mother is um, a little busier than, than normal. Um, so I have a, a young, a young one to get to practice now on Wednesday. So I appreciate the hour bump up. And it's funny because a whole bunch of my East coast colleagues are like, thank you so much for making it early for us. I'm like, yes, that's right. It's for you guys on the East coast. It wasn't about me and hockey practice. Well, and we have 40 instead of 25. So maybe it worked better. It does. Maybe. And I know a lot of people like play it back and watch it on YouTube and listen to it while they're commuting. So thanks. However, you are listening. So my quote of the day is one that I believe I've done before because it's on my list, but I haven't checked it off. But it's actually the motto for my high schoolers school by Francis DeSalle and is be who you are and be that well. Do that again. Be who you are and be that well. Wow. And I think that is almost like the the summary at like the advanced and at our courses and for everybody listening because of the rainbow and spectrum of practitioners that we have. Again, I went off on a riff about people who are overwhelmed and all these conditions that you have to treat. No, you have options and you have people to refer to, but stay in your lane, whatever your scope of practice is, and be that well, be that amazing. And what happens with our practitioners is you start in the lane and then you find that the lane gets a little wider as you learn more. So when you do the supine lumbar practicum and you're a physical therapist and your lane includes treating the muscles and you have a short, tight, painful psoas and you run scarring in the ureter and sclerosis in the kidney fat pad and scarring in the kidney to release the QLs. Okay. Are you still in your lane? Well, of course. What does the frequency 13 on A and 62 on B do? It quiets trigger points in the psoas and makes it non-tender and it appears to lengthen it. And 
Yeah, but what's 13 and 60 mean? It means that the psoas is less painful and it gets longer. And that's so be who you are. And in my world, the role of FSM is to make everything that you do more effective. And when I do the, I just did a webinar with the Institute for Functional Medicine and the challenge with functional medicine and certain even physical medicine, it takes too long and it's too expensive and it doesn't work real well all the time because patient compliance is a problem when you tell them, well, we'll get this done in about six months. So the role of FSM is to make medicine, whatever kind of healthcare you do, more effective, more efficient, less expensive, and more fun. And more fun. Just like this hour flew by, I told you it takes us 10 minutes to wrap. You said we have seven minutes. No, we have 10. It's <laughs> McMakin time. Thank you, everybody, for coming. And we'll be back at three o'clock next week. We will be back three o'clock from here on out, Pacific time. Pacific time. Yes. You're welcome, Derek. Look up the drops with the glycerin in it. Yay. We have to go now. We have Bye. to go. Okay. Bye. Bye. The Frequency Specific Microcurrent Podcast has been produced by Frequency Specific Seminars for entertainment, educational, and information purposes only. The information and opinion provided in the podcast are not medical advice, do not create any type of doctor-patient relationship, and unless expressly stated, do not reflect the opinions of its affiliates, subsidiaries, or sponsors, or the hosts, or any of the podcast guests or affiliated professional organizations. No person should act or refrain from acting on the basis of the content provided in any podcast without first seeking appropriate medical advice and counseling. No information provided in any podcast should be used as a substitute for personalized medical advice and counseling. FSS expressly disclaims any and all liability relating to any actions taken or not taken based on or any contents of this podcast.